Hey guys, welcome to the Tales of Moxie podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Lee, and I'm so glad that you're here. I created this podcast with the simple desire of wanting women to have a place to share their stories. Our stories are so powerful, and God's fingerprints are evident throughout them all. So each week, I sit down with another woman who is brave enough to share her story with us. We talk all the things with no judgment. While each story is unique to the person telling it, I find that I see myself in all of them, and I'm sure that you will too. Welcome back to Tales of Moxie. This week, I got to interview author Katie Williamson. She just completed her first book entitled, I'm Here, God, Where Are You? And we talked about all sorts of things. We talked about her story of overcoming severe anxiety, finding her worth in Christ, and everything in between. I love Katie so much, and I really encourage you guys to find her on Instagram and follow her journey as she continues to see what God's doing in her life. You can find her under at Katie Finds God. In the meantime, listen to this interview. Get to know Katie like I did. I know you guys will enjoy it. Thanks so much for meeting with us this morning. Welcome to Tales of Moxie. Thank you so much, Jenna Lee. I'm really excited to be here. We are excited to have you. Um, I want to jump right in because I'm really excited to hear about your story. But if you don't mind telling us a little about yourself and your story, and I know that you have written a book, and I'd love to hear kind of how you got started on all of that and what led to the journey that you're on now. Yeah, thank you. I would love to. Um, well, as you said, my name is Katie Williamson, uh, and I did just finish writing a book called I'm Here, God, Where Are You? And uh, really, it it outlines my journey of faith over the last 20 years or so. Um, I grew up in a loving Christian home. Um, I have a younger brother and um, really experienced God from a young age, uh, accepted him, when I was three and a half, I think. Uh, so growing up in the church, I, I always just felt that strong pull to follow God, to hear his voice. Um, and looking back, I experienced him in many ways growing up also. Um, and I talk about some of those experiences in the book too, of um, just praying and actually hearing him respond mm-hmm. and listen. I think I was 10 in that story. Um, and yet as I grew older, I also, um, really just had this, I guess, need for perfectionism that was inside of me, um, that, that was kind of the way that I interacted and, uh, I guess for lack of a better word, tried to control the world around me that thinking that if, if I could just do everything right, then I would be good enough. Um, and that was a, that was a lie. And I guess a theme that really, uh, especially in high school started to eat at me, um, just taking on way more than I probably should have, um, because I just didn't know how to say no or when to stop. And so the list on my resume, uh, that continued through college, uh, was really long and I realized that I was finding my identity or trying to find my identity in this list of accomplishments, but it was never enough for me. There was always one more thing to do. And when I would accomplish something, it was like, okay, but I should probably have done better or mm-hmm. I can probably do better. Um, and so it just continued this cycle until um, I really got into a place where I realized I was struggling with terrible anxiety. Uh, I was very depressed. Um, I remember I was in a master's program when this happened. Um, I think I was 22 also, so (laughs) just very young um, to be at that point. And I remember knowing that what I needed to do was go to class and go to work because that's kind of what I needed to function to keep surviving. And so if I got out of bed, it was to go do that. Um, and then I'd come back home and go straight to bed uh, because handling anything else, it was just too much. And so when I got to that point where I realized this can't be normal, um, I don't think this is how God would want me to be living my life. That was when I uh, reached out and started going to therapy. And looking back, um, that point of like 
finally starting to focus on my emotional health is really what opened the path to this spiritual journey uh, that I've been on too, even though I've always been a Christian and always believed in God. Mm-hmm. Wow. So after you started going to therapy, then what did you like find were the, the truths that started to play out in your life to bring you back to letting go of perfectionism and, and kind of releasing that sort of anxiety? Yeah, well, it was a long road. Um, the biggest thing was realizing um, that I didn't, I didn't really know who I was anymore mm. uh, because I had been listening to what I thought you know, society said I should be, what other people said I should be, what I thought God said that I should be. Um, and that realization didn't come until much later, but it was slowly starting to peel off those layers of um, who am I? You know, and for me, starting to be okay with the messiness too, that I don't have it all together and that I can actually talk about that and the right people will still be around. Um, Developing healthy friendships and um, then later healthy friendships with boundaries also, uh, that became a really big lesson and learning experience too because I had always had friends, but I also knew it's kind of this weird, like I knew how to be close with someone, but then I also knew how to let them go if something happened. Um, and mm-hmm. so I didn't have many lasting relationships that then I would turn around and tell myself, well, I must not be a good enough friend that they would just leave. And that's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe there's some truth in that, in the sense that I wasn't being open and honest about what I needed from them. Um, but you know, life flows and things happen. And that doesn't mean that I'm a bad person or I'm a bad friend. There was just a lot of learning that happened in that. Um, so I would say the biggest things from therapy that I really realized was how to start to become vulnerable and open um, with myself. So that way I could start bringing that to the relationships that I had also. And then really learning how to find my voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, going from trying to, or thinking that if, somebody disagreed with me, then, you know, that meant that I wasn't good enough to be around or um, that maybe I was wrong rather than thinking through and knowing what I do value and what I do stand on and that it's okay if those truths are different for us. We can still come together and, you know, be friends even if we don't agree. Uh, or even still be in the same room if we don't like each other. That it's okay to not like people. <laughs> yeah, that's a good lesson that I've learned. Also, it's true. So I love hearing you say that you know you started to find your voice um, and being vulnerable in your relationships. I'm wondering, did you find that you also needed to connect that vulnerability and finding your voice with your relationship with God? Did you find that um, maybe you hadn't been as open and honest with him as you would have liked? Yeah, I, I'm so glad that you asked that. And I'm like literally getting the chills right now um, because I'm going back to one of the chapters in my book. And um, I had had one relationship in particular, um, we had broken up and it was, it was kind of the last straw of just me getting to that point of brokenness of that. I can't do this anymore. Um, The relationship I had had before that, um, we were very close to getting married. And so when we broke up, I thought that was the last straw. Uh, And I had poured myself into healing and, you know, read these books and started going to the gym and working out and, um, you know, getting, working on my relationships and being more vulnerable. And then I meet this guy and it's great and blah, blah, blah. And when we ended up breaking up as well, it was like the rug really just got pulled out from under me because I was like, God, I'm doing everything right. Mm. Why is this happening again? Like, surely this had been your plan because everything lined up. Mm. 
And yet now I'm even more devastated than before. But it was at that point that I finally started to have these conversations with God that were so raw and emotional. Um, Like I remember I couldn't sit still. There was just so much moving inside of me. And I would drive around at night with the windows down, listening to music, and every song would speak to what I was going through. And it was like, I would have the windows down so I could feel something. And I'd be taken back to, you know, the verse about, um, you know, God being in the wind, um, Mm -hmm. or in that small voice that comes after the wind, you know, just longing for God to be there in some way. Uh, But that was really where I finally started to be open. Um, I remember yelling. Usually I'd roll the windows up. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But yelling and just having this heart of like, why God? Why am I in all of this pain when I also have this list of all things that I've done for you? Like, it's not just my resume. It's Mm. like... I've done all of these missions trips and I served in all of these places, like name a position in the church and I've probably done it. Um, and, and yet here I am so broken, not where I intended my life to be. And I remember I was having this conversation with him, um, driving. It was in the middle of the day. I was meeting a friend for lunch, just sobbing in my car. And I prayed like, God, please just give me a sign that you're here. All I hear is silence. And I looked up and I was living in Fresno at the time. And we were in a drought for, I don't know how long, but we were right in the middle of it at that point. And I looked up right after I said that. And there was a rainbow in the sky. Mm. And it was just this this amazing picture that I'm here. I am crying out to God thinking that he doesn't see me. He doesn't know what's happening. He doesn't care that I've done all of these things for him. And he's saying, my child, look, here's a promise. I'm not going to leave you. And I'm right here. I'm not going to destroy everything again. And to see this rainbow in the sky that hadn't seen rain in so long. Um, I held on to that for um, just a really long time. And it was those pieces that God was so faithful in showing up just step by step by step. And um, it, it truly was. It's like, I think looking back over my journey, I feel like for myself, you know, I've gotten so caught up over time of not just in whose society or like I was saying earlier, you know, anyone else or just my thoughts about whose society thinks I should be. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just that, but also getting caught in the trap of who I think God wants me to be. Mm-hmm. And once I realized that it's not about living up to this checklist or these standards that God set out, it's about leaning in and learning who is it that he created me to be? And can I live fully in that identity that all of a sudden, I can't say all of a sudden, those years, but mm-hmm. my life to change and, and just take on this completely different faith, even in view of God. Um, because it was like, it wasn't just, the truth of the Bible, which is, yes, it's the word of God. And yes, I experienced God through that. But I also began to find him through the truth of my soul. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the deep things that he created me to be that are a reflection of him. And when I lean in and understand what those are, and when I have the opportunity to hear what maybe those are for you, now I get to experience God in a more full way because it's his creation coming alive. 
I love that because, well, there's so many things that you said in there that I, my brain is reeling on things. Um, all of it's so good, but I love what you're saying. Like your soul started to connect with him because I agree a hundred percent. I read my Bible every day and I find new things every day because it's the living word. But I find that like the creations, you know, shout his praises and, and the hillsides and the mountains, all of those things that we don't know, along with his greatest creation of us being made in his image to be able to say, I'm learning about you through every relationship that I'm in, especially the hard ones, right? Like those are the ones that I learned the most about him is when I'm just at my end of my rope with someone and I'm suddenly like, okay, now where do I find you in that? The other thing that I love and I want to talk about a little bit is you kept saying like our society's picture of perfectionism or like the to-do list. And then you said too, like the list that you thought you needed to do for God. And I love that because we hear a lot in the church that, you know, maybe it's a secular idea to accomplish and achieve and all of this, all of the things, but it's just as much in the church and in Christianity as it is outside of it, right? Like we, we get caught up in that and our society has created this, this narrative that we have to achieve more and we have to be doing something. And even in ministry, like we have to, in order to be successful, we have to show results, right? And like, if we can't show results, then what we did, none of it matters. But the real ministry, there's no results in. You don't see the results right now. You know, if I, I can, I was just talking to someone last week and I was saying the the ministry of just giving a car ride to someone, like there's no results to show that that was successful. But that's the kind of ministry and loving our neighbor that we're called to do, right? And I love that you talk about you had this idea of what you thought you had to achieve for God. How do you think that we can start to shatter that kind of idea in the church today? Do you think there's something, and you said you walked through it, so you've kind of had that, that experience. Do you think there's things, practical things that maybe we can start telling ourselves so that that doesn't become our norm? Yeah. Honestly, I'm still trying to figure it out also, um, but I, I want to share a story. I just came back from Teotihuacan, uh, Mexico, like a few days ago, and I was there with a group, and we were um, having this amazing spiritual journey at the pyramids of Teotihuacan, and it was this incredible trip, um, and one of the things that we did was uh, we introduced ourselves to the group. We did say our name, um, but then we identified something that we, I guess for lack of a better word, was like our soul truth that we wanted to bring to the group that week. So mm. people said a lot of different things. Sometimes it was something that they wanted to call out in themselves. Um, sometimes it was something that they brought to the group. Sometimes it was something that was just who they were. Um, and one of the men on the trip, um, he was, it was, it was just a symbol. Um, and it was like this, uh, where his arms were raised above his head in, in a circle. Um, but he essentially was silence and it was, mm -hmm. uh, just holding the space uh, for other people. Um, but it was also a surrender of all of what his name means uh, because he is very famous and prominent in his, um, in his realm and in all of the accolades that came behind him. But that wasn't what he chose to bring to the group, even though he did use his gifts in that way. Um, and he did end up being behind the scenes for a lot of the trip, but he also wasn't. Um, I'll take a little detour with that because I don't want to um, miss that. Um, I also think sometimes being behind the scenes can be a label that we think is good in the church um, in order to be humble or mm -hmm. uh, to be in humility. And there's a place for it, but there's also a place to lean into your gifts I believe. And sometimes that's not behind the scenes. 
Um, and so if it's being used to, to keep you in the shadows when God's given you a gift that you can minister to a lot of people in the front, then, then don't use that as an excuse. Um, mm. but I think mm. that's, I know I like I like that if I can sit on that for a minute I really like that because that's true we get told and it, in a way that's another check box right like humility now we have another box to check how do we do that and the way that we do that is to be behind the scenes um, but you're right I know a lot of people yeah I have done that too so that's not what we're saying but yeah like, or it creates this guilt for someone who likes to be up front or likes to has a gift of music and mm. you know maybe they feel like you know oh well i don't i don't want to take the spotlight like girlfriend if you can sing get up there and sing yeah you know, don't keep sitting in the back waiting for someone else to do it mm. um and is there time yes there probably is time where someone else can come in but um you know, that can be just as bad as being in the front, look at me, of saying, mm -hmm. no, I'm in the back, don't look at me. We're still, I don't know, it's... Yeah, well, and like you said, <laughs> yes, and like you said, how we're created. So if, I mean, we, there are people that are created to be up front in different things. And like you said, some might be music, some might be speaking, some might be telling their story in different ways. And what a a pain almost that I would imagine God would be so sad about if he created you to be like that. And you're saying, no, God, cause I need to be, you know, I need to be the servant in the back. And he's going, well, wait a minute, you're still a servant, but you're serving in your own way. And that comes back to remembering and knowing, right. Being able to have that relationship with him that we know, is this a gift that is mine or is this something that I'm trying to just make happen? Am I bulldozing my way through. I, you know, I think about the word hustle a lot. A lot of people use that word, right? Like we have to hustle. And I'm thinking most things that I've had in my relationship with God, I didn't have to hustle for. In fact, it was when I was at my weakest moments and I couldn't hustle anymore that it was shown to me. Right. And so in a way kind of thinking, no, you, you, ha I have to know God in order to know what is this gift that I have? And is it a gift that you're asking me to step forward with? Or is it something that maybe my gift is behind the scenes? Because like you said, both are good in their respective ways. We just have to be able to discern that. And you had talked about discerning a little bit earlier. How do you, for you, I love asking this question because it's so different for everybody, but I find that it helps the listeners kind of find their lane. What do you think discernment is? How do you hear God speak to you? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, and it's good for me too, as I'm still uncovering and processing things um, about my soul truths and my core beliefs right now. Um, I think for me, it it's kind of become like a step back and with this 50,000 foot view. Um, mm -hmm. I'm looking at, you know, sometimes I can get so caught up in the, the small details about something and I step back and I go back to who has God created me to be, which means all, all of that in myself, you know, what are the things that I value? Um, what are the goals and dreams that are inside my heart and inside my head? Because I choose to believe that those come from him. Um, and what, what are my next steps? Like, what do I really want? And not to turn that background too much on me, but at the same time, I believe that God's spirit lives in me. And I believe that God's given me a purpose for being here in this world. And he's given you a purpose as well. And so our purposes are going to be different. Um, and so it's like, I have to follow that kind of where that plumb line is or that anchor is trusting that if I'm on the wrong path, then the door is going to close. Mm -hmm. And um, I also don't think that there is a wrong path because through everything, 
there's a lesson that God's teaching me, which if I believe that, then that means that regardless of my decisions, I can't be on the wrong path. Um, I talk about this in my book too, that so often we want to label something as good or bad. Mm -hmm. And that judgment is really based on the emotion that I feel in this moment. So going back to the story I shared before about the breakup, for many years, I labeled that as bad because it hurt and it was painful. But now looking at where I am now, I can't look back and label that as bad because that single breakup made this domino effect in my life that it, it made me so raw and vulnerable in the moment that I said yes to going to lunch with a, with a colleague at work which then a few weeks later led to her inviting me to go to a conference in LA with her, which I said yes to, which then that led me to meeting my mentor and, and another amazing woman who, you know, fast forward three years, been working with my mentor, I'm a completely different person, went to New Zealand with both of them last year on this amazing spiritual journey and just got back from this incredible healing spiritual journey in Teotihuacan with the woman that I had met at the conference three years before. And if I hadn't gone through that breakup that at the time I labeled as bad, I wouldn't have been in a place where I was so broken that I needed this friendship and was willing to say yes to go on this conference that I didn't even know what it was. And it had this ripple effect in my life that completely changed the trajectory of it. Mm -hmm. And we don't, in the moment, we don't have that ability to know how this is going to change our life. And God promises that he works all things together for good. So while something might hurt, I don't know that it's bad because it's going to birth something beautiful if we allow it to. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's, I mean, that's what we're promised as Christians, right? Is that we're going to experience trials and that's where we build our endurance and that's where we, we see ourselves put to the flame and we get changed and molded and, you know, and built into what we're supposed to be. And it's, I, I love that you brought up that your, your wants and your desires are a way that you kind of know that and that you don't think that they're bad. I've been reading a lot, um, well, in the New Testament, but Jesus asking the people, what do you want? That's a question that's, you know, I've read at least three times in the New Testament. And I think it gets so overlooked when we're, when we're trying to think most times we hear, well, what you want, your desires are wrong. Well, not necessarily, especially if you are connecting with your maker, then the Bible tells us our desires line up with his, you know, and in what you want, that's, Jesus would not have asked the question if he didn't want to, you know, to, and I, I say want to know the answer. He knew the answer. He wanted us to be able to have a voice in it and to be able to speak, this is what I want. And most times, you know, it, most of it was, you, do you want to walk or do you want to be well kind of a thing? And it's, you want to be well. And there's differences in that that we have to discern for ourselves. But it's a prominent question that I think shouldn't get lost on us you know, as we, as we get caught up in thinking again, another checks checkbox of we can't, as long as I'm not doing what I want to do, then I'm a good Christian. And it's, it's just not, it's not the truth. It doesn't line up. Yes. There are times when it's going to be in our flesh is leading us and we have to be able to discern. But overall, I, I truly agree and believe that our wills will line up with God's if we are in constant communication with him. And that's something that we can trust. Right. Well, and think about this. If, if God's spirit lives inside of us, then how beautiful that he asks us that question, what do you want? Like he's fully knowing that, um, that he's already given that desire inside of us and us actually vocalizing what that soul truth is, mm -hmm. is an opportunity for us to hear his voice. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I love, you said earlier too, like people well, like you said, with the woman singing, you tell her you have such a good voice. You should do this. People will speak into our lives too, to help us realize, like you were saying, we need to hear it and we need to be able to, you know, hear other people say it. Cause sometimes we, 
don't trust ourselves enough. And he sends other people to speak that into us. Right. And I'm so happy that you brought this up um, because I think this is actually in my first or second chapter of my book too. So it's like it all weaves together. Uh, when I was, honestly, I think I was 10, um, very young, but I remember, you know, Saturday mornings I would uh, wake up and just, I loved laying in bed reading. Um, and I was reading the Bible one morning and opened it up to a random chapter and it was Psalm 37. And Psalm 37, four says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. It's that exact same thing. Um, as I was reading that, this was the first time that I heard the Lord actually speak to me. And he said very clearly, Katie, what do you want? And it was just this, what? Mm -hmm. you know? And he said it again, what do you want? And I was caught in this cycle, just like, um, just like everyone else and what we've been talking about that, you know, well, I, and this is what I told them, I want whatever you have for me. Mm -hmm. like, no, what, what is it that you want? Mm -hmm. And so it, you know, it brought up these feelings that I had to recognize. And this is what I think is so, so important. Um, and why the emotional path is so critical in our spiritual journey is that it's not enough to just say, you know, well, God, I want whatever you have for me in the beginning. Um, because the process that he took me through in that time, even at 10, was I had to identify what was the deepest desire of my soul and at that time, which I would say still is, but you know, my deepest desire, I wanted to grow up and get married and have a family and be a wife and a mom and everything that that entailed. And God laid that, once I said that, God laid that before me and gave me a choice. And he said, do you want this or do you want whatever I have for you, this unknown? Mm -hmm. And before I knew I guess you could say for lack of a better word, before I knew like what was on the altar, it, it didn't have as much impact choosing whatever you want for me because I didn't know what I was surrendering and giving up. Mm. Um, it wasn't that I'm, I think that I've surrendered the opportunity to get married. That's not it, but it was, and God even said, you know, you don't have a wrong choice. Like there's no, no bad choice in this. It's just, what, what is it that you want? And, and I did end up saying, I want whatever you have for me, because in my logic, it was, well, if this is a desire of my heart and you say, I delight myself in you. And then I get the desire of my heart, then got you, God. <laughs> but the crazy thing, looking back at that is just that, you know, I, I surrendered my deepest desire to him. And over the course of you know, the 20 years that followed this faith journey that he's had me on, it hasn't been easy. Um, you know, there have been times like I've shared where I've cried out to him and, you know, cried so hard and felt so much sorrow uh, just deep in my soul uh, because of experiences being hurt by other people, being hurt by the church, hurting myself. And, you know, it's, God brings me through all of that. And I wouldn't trade any of the experiences that I've had um, for, for anything else, because I still trust that, you know, his promise isn't complete. Mm -hmm. uh, he's still working out my faith in me, which is, is totally true. Um, and he's opened my eyes to, experiencing him in so many greater ways than I ever would have imagined um, to find him and to experience him like I said in in a deeper way with the Waitaha tribe in New Zealand listening to to their practices and beliefs and and seeing God in that so much the same thing in Teotihuacan at the pyramids um, it's just amazing when we can take that 
again, that 50,000 plus Zoom, you know, angle, whatever, and realize that like we serve the God of the universe, mm-hmm. not just the God of the Christian church. That's, it's so different. Um, and I think we've, we've missed some ways of experiencing him because we want to play small and keep him in a box, even in the church, mm-hmm. um, and other people that we get afraid of how other people might experience him and say, well, that's wrong because that's not my experience. It's like, well, how about instead of saying that's wrong, why don't we try and find God in a new way and experience him in a deeper way? Because what if that's God too? Mm. You know? mm, that's so, so good. That goes that's... back to your question earlier about, um, you know, what can we do in the church? I think that um, we can be more open to just hearing people and loving them. Um, what was so powerful about uh, my friend in Teotihuacan about introducing himself as this pause of silence was that there were times where I went and sat next to him and there was a part of me that was like, oh, I want to talk to you so that you like me, even though I've known him before. <laughs> but it's yeah. like, I want to tell you about what I've done so that you, you know too, or that you accept me or that this and this. And I didn't need to. And it was like this, you can sit next to someone and just feel their presence and feel their soul. And that can be enough. It doesn't matter what he does. It doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter what I experienced at the pyramids or what he spent his day doing to serve the rest of the group. It was enough that we were just there and that was so powerful yeah and in our society especially you know with with technology and social media and having to put you know our accomplishments out in front and on stage and like you said feeling like that's I love the the metaphor that you're using with that on how you guys had to introduce yourselves because we do we all introduce ourselves with what we do rather than who we are and what a different place the world would be, even social media, if we were saying like, no, this is who I am. This isn't what I do. And the pain, the pain is a part of who we are. So being able to sit in the pain with people and like you're just saying right now, just be there. And it's enough to just feel the presence of someone. I wonder what difference that would make to the people that are hurting and are in pain and just want to be seen and don't have the list or the resume of accomplishments and are feeling like that's why they don't belong. You know, if maybe that would be a way that we can start shifting that in our culture is I'm just going to sit here and acknowledge your presence and you're made in the image of God, just like I am. So you're just as important as I am or anyone else out here. And that's what I choose to see first. That's, it is so powerful. I love that metaphor. Um, one of the things I keep thinking is when you're saying your soul truths and you had mentioned that you had a mentor and that this had taken a long time. Can we talk, can you speak into that a little bit of how long of a journey this actually is and how this doesn't just happen overnight and and why that's okay? Yeah, Um, let's see. I'm trying to think back to when I started therapy. I think I was in therapy for five years um, and a little bit off and on, I think it was five Um, and that was great. And one of the things that my mentor, uh, he showed this picture and he, he talked about how, you know, it's kind of like you're going through life and then you hit that pitfall and like hit your breaking point or whatever, hit rock bottom. And a therapist helps bring you back up to where you were before. And then like a mentor or a life coach or whatever um, can help bring you up to like who you were called or created to be Mm -hmm. so it's going from like where you're at kind of in your regular um day-to-day existing 
to really thriving. Um, and so the work that the work that I did with him was really about, again, going deeper into understanding who I am. So diving more into, whereas the therapy I felt like was kind of healing and coming to terms with, with the past and the things that I was anxious about and learning coping strategies and, and coming out of that, um, which I'll be honest, like anxiety, even after I was done uh, with therapy, there's times where it still comes up. Mm -hmm. And now for me, I manage it uh, with exercise. Um, I started training jujitsu about a year ago. So that's like super intense. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think about anything else. So that helps me. Um, that doesn't work for everyone. Um, my best friend runs. And so that's her deal. Um, but we all have those things that, that we find that are important. Um, beyond that, it's, it's been such a long journey. I mean, gosh, my whole life. And even, even now I'm not, I'm not through it. Like I, Again, um, the emotional side, I can't stress how important that is to get to know you and get to know yourself. Like on this journey where I've started doing that, uh, to me, that's part of loving myself uh, because um, my mentor told, always says this amazing truth that you cannot give what you don't already possess. And so if I don't love myself, then... I'm limited on how I can love other people. And that's been a huge truth for me because part of the perfectionism I used to be caught in was I would give, 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 thinking that I was loving other people, mm -hmm. but I can only love other people to the extent that I love myself. Because if I don't know how to take care of myself and if I don't know how to draw boundaries in my life, then I don't know how to respect your boundaries mm -hmm. because I don't respect my own. And that comes with time, you know, whatever finances. And so it's, uh, that's been a really, really big learning curve for me. Um, you know, as I've, as I've started to love myself more, like, for example, I've learned about myself that if I'm going hard hustling, like you're talking about, just, I got a lot of stuff on my plate, which I tend to do. I need like one full day a week to recharge. And usually I sit in my back, my chair, my favorite chair on my back patio. I don't know how many cups of coffee I drink, however mm -hmm. many I feel like it. And I just read and I am quiet like most of the day in my sweats. And that recharges me. Um, but if I didn't try a bunch of stuff, to figure out what recharges me, then, you know, I end up burning myself out and then get sick and then have to take, you know, a week or two off of work because I need a vacation. And then I'm not even rested for my vacation because I'm doing stuff that mm -hmm. doesn't actually back up. Like, but we get caught in the cycle of, you know, in order for me to feel rested, I need to go to the beach. Well, I don't, I need to sit on my back patio and drink 10 cups of coffee and read a book and then I'm good. Um, so that awareness um, is really, is really important and has been really critical in my journey. Um, with that being said, I do love traveling and I, there are certain experiences that like with this trip to Teotihuacan, for example, um, I found out about it when I was in New Zealand in August and I had this very strong feeling in my soul that I was supposed to be there and time went by and I didn't end up signing up for the trip. Well, you know, the gal who was leading it posted something on Facebook about an escape room and I commented and she's like, Hey, I'm so sad you're not coming. And I, whenever I like talk about the trip, I have envisioned you there. I said, me too. It's probably too late. And she's like, I would move heaven and earth to get you here. We leave next week. Mm -hmm. like, what? <laughs> no way. But like one of my soul truths is that if I feel that calling, I have to be faithful to see if it will happen. Like I'm just, 
if God wants me to be there, he will make a way. Like, that's what I know. I know, no, no, I don't know if that's a verse in the Bible, but I know that is a truth of my soul. So I looked it up and I found a ticket for $120. I had some credit card points for less than a week. And I went into work and I said, hey, sorry, I'm going to be gone for four days. I'll figure it out. Um, and they said, okay, I hope everything's fine. I'm like, it is. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. And, I did. and let me tell you, I am a completely different person than I was two weeks ago because on that trip, I experienced this immense healing. And this is what brings it back around. I, I have things in my life that I was still holding on to mm. sorrows in my life that um, yes, I had been to therapy. Yes, I'd been working with my mentor. Yes, I'd been praying. Yes, I'd been going to church. I can check all the boxes. And yes, I'm functioning in regular society. It doesn't bother me that much. But let me tell you, when I had an opportunity to have deep healing and um, in this place, yeah, a lot of sorrow came out that I didn't realize I was holding on to. And I feel so free now, but the way that our lives work, maybe today, I hope not, next week, few months, next year, there's going to be something incredibly painful that I go through again, and I'm going to need to be healed again. And so that's why the journey never stops. And that's why I'm so thankful that God is the God of the universe and that he is dynamic and that he is so loving and so present through everything is because our journey doesn't stop and you know that's why his mercy is new every morning um and today i'm i'm so thankful to have finally released so much sorrow that i was holding on to um but maybe in six more months I'll realize I'm holding that on a deeper level or something else will happen and it'll need to go through it again. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Uh, it's okay when it comes back. It's what do you choose to do when it does? It doesn't yeah. mean that you're, you've been defeated. It doesn't mean that you are a bad Christian. It doesn't mean that God isn't there. And you said it earlier, generally, it gives you an opportunity to experience God in a new way by going through it again. And I love listening to you say that, that something tomorrow or in a week or in a year, because it does, it always, it, something always comes back up. And it, for me, it was helpful to be reminded um, in the last big painful thing that I had happen about six months ago. And I said to someone, I said, why does this keep happening? It feels like, and in those moments, you know, it's easy to get down. And I was saying like, I just feel like I'm getting pummeled right now and it's left and right. And I don't understand why. And a good friend of mine reminded me that if everything goes smooth, it's a lot harder to find and trust Jesus. And she said that she was like, I know it sounds bad. And there's going to be times when we do experience complete joy and it is all good for a while. She said, but you know, the it's harder to find Jesus when there's not a need. And when you feel like everything's taken care of, it's a lot easier to trust ourselves in those moments than it is to trust Jesus. And I had to step back and think like, okay, it doesn't make the pain go away by a long shot, but it helped me somewhat be like, okay, I, I'm going to search for you in this because I have a need. I have a million needs and I can't find, I can't do it myself. Right. But in a way I, I think of it in that like thing, uh, you know, this is the, when you think about it here on earth is the blindest we will ever be, right? When we meet Jesus, our eyes will be open. All of our questions will be answered. We'll see everything. This is the blindest we will be. The only opportunity that we get on this earth to learn faith, you know, and to have that experience. And so every time I walk through something else, I get to think, okay, one of these days, my eyes will be open. This is my opportunity. It, it hurts. It sucks. You know, in all honesty, the last things just sucked. And it was like, but I, I need you so much right now. And I'm getting my like crash courses in faith before I go up and I get to spend eternity with you. And our time on earth is 
so short in the grand scheme of things, right? Like it's, it's a dot on the map of eternity. And since it is the blindest we'll ever be, we get to know, okay, like you said, this is a journey and it's okay if it's not okay. We're learning something through every not okay section. And we will continue to learn as we go. And I love that, that you point out, like it, it doesn't, you know, every time you get to heal again, because we think so often I'm healed. I did good. I'm healed. Okay. Well, maybe, or maybe in a year from now, you're going to find out that there's something else from this, or there's something else you need to heal again. Right. Right. Well, and even with what you were saying too, you know, it goes back to, uh, with the painful circumstance that you went through, you don't know if in a month or two months or three months or years, you'll say, Oh, that's why. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I have, I have seen that as other people have, I've seen that play out in different things, but like, and that was the other thing that I was thinking when you were saying that is I've seen as you talk, you, one of the things that you're so good at, and I love that you've brought up so much is placing those stones of remembrance, you know, where you can go back and you can notice that. And even in your story at 10 years old, or like you said, um, there was something after the breakup, I think you said, where you held on to that for a long time and, and I think like, no, that's it. That's Joshua placing the stones of remembrance, right? And saying like, this is it. We're going to remember this because in a year from now, we're going to need to remember. That's what the stones of remembrance are. It's not just that feeling of, yay, we're going to rejoice. Yeah, we rejoice in that moment, but they're there for the moments when we can't remember and we need to be reminded. And you do such a beautiful job of that in telling your stories of how you do, you place those stones all throughout the path so that you can come back and look at them when you are in pain. And I love that. I love that you brought that up. Oh, thank you. I mean, it's, it's so important for us, just like you said, to remember how God has been faithful. Because if we want to look at all of the things that are negative about our life and all the things that are hard and all the pain that we've been in, those stones are there too. Mm-hmm. And so it's, we get to choose which stones we pick up and remember. And, mm-hmm. and I'll be honest for a long time, like I, I did, I kept walking with those stones of pain and hurt and sorrow. And I didn't know how to let them go. Um, and so I was holding both, you know, yes, I was remembering the faithfulness of God And I also had my hand over here and saying, but wait, don't you remember? Don't you remember what I went through? Like, not just, don't you remember what I did for you? But don't you remember what I went through? Mm -hmm. And being able to drop those and let those go. That's what I learned from my friend who held that space of silence in Teotihuacan. Because I wasn't coming up and saying, either one. Don't you remember? Do you know who I am? And do you know what I've done? Do you know what's happened to me? And I was enough in the silence without any of those. And that's how we are with God too, is that we're enough. We don't have to carry those things and, and remind ourselves or remind him of our identity in that we're enough just as we are. And I think when we don't know who we are, that's when that gets hard. Mm -hmm. I don't know what my soul truths are when I don't know the fullness of who God created me to be. And that is a scary place to stand there and say, I am enough just as I am, because I'm still thinking that what I did and what's been done to me are more important. And those are easily taken away in this world. And that's why, like you're saying, it's such shaky ground to stand on. Right. Right. I mean, it takes, gosh, it could take one person, um, you know, blowing up on social media about you to all of a sudden you don't have that anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or one wrong picture or whatever else. And it also goes the other way. You know, I think it's funny I know we're just being serious, but I think it's funny um, we're talking about social media because literally right before we got on the call, you know, I opened up my phone, I was looking at Instagram and I went, oh my goodness, this like famous jujitsu person just started following me on Instagram? (laughs) What? 
screenshot that. <laughs> right? But yeah. it's like, it's the same thing. Uh, we can get so excited and like, ooh, why would you follow me? Like, what's mm-hmm. this about? You know? Um, and we can put those on our back just as easily as like, oh, this person hurt me and, um, you know, I'll never be the same and blah, blah, blah. I don't want to go to this place because I know she's going to be there. He's going to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, and it's true. Even like, like you're saying, even in those exciting moments, when we're building our, our identity off of those, those yeah. are just as easily taken away. That's the, that's the scary part in thinking that. And like, and I've had conversations with young girls because right now in our day and age, this is a prevalent topic, right? Like this is, this is making or breaking the identity, um, which is weird because in my mind, I'm thinking like, hmm, I didn't even have a cell phone when I was a kid. So, I don't know, like, but I do get caught up just as much. So I can't say that. Um, but I, I have told them that like, okay, well, you know, like you said, when the identity is built on that, tomorrow that's not going to be what anyone thinks about so then what happens then where's your identity when that one thing that happened today doesn't mean anything tomorrow because our world is like that it, it moves on so fast right so that the things that may be used to hold on for people longer don't so like you're saying when and I love the sitting in the silence and just being okay I, I can't get past that metaphor because it's just so powerful. I'm thinking like, especially now in this day and age where talk is everywhere. It's online. It's on our phones. We, we are bombarded with messages all the time. We have right. to carve out silence. So to have someone introduce themselves in silence is just beyond us at this point. Well, and even, and I know I kind of talked about it earlier, but I, I hope that I can convey the magnitude of what it was like to be in that presence of, because I'm telling you when I would first sit down, the, the thoughts would just bubble through my head. Like, Oh, well, is this enough? Should I say something? Uh, Does he want me to ask about something? Should I not ask about something because Mm. he's sitting in silence? Does he want to talk? Does he not want to talk? I kind of want to talk. Is it okay for me to say something like just, I'm like, Katie, be quiet, first of all, just stop. And once I did, realizing the power of that, like, and I mean, I did get the affirmation, you know, as the trip went on, like I said, we've known each other before. And so just to have that acceptance and love um, that was there in the silence was so powerful because I didn't do anything to, to, uh, what's the word, like manipulate it, Mm. try and be someone good enough for, for him to accept me. And the other crazy thing was that by him showing up in silence, I also, um, got to, we did an exercise where we had, you know, picked up stones that represented things we were holding on to. And then symbolically we released them. And we did that in the presence of someone else, like as our witness. And I chose him as my witness um, for, you know, some particular reasons. And really it was because of who he represented to me Mm. that I got to have healing in that because he was also showing up as who he is, is enough. And I got to have a different part of healing also because I got to acknowledge, wow, I didn't realize I was putting this representation of someone I had been hurt by onto him. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like I, yeah. I got to keep that for myself because he held that space for me in silence. But then also as him as an individual, just to realize that, that even if we don't talk for hours, we can still love and honor the souls of one another by sitting in silence. And I began to watch and listen as I did it over the course of the few days, there were times I just wanted to sit in silence next to the person with me, almost to like just feel their presence and have that be enough. And someone else was talking to them and I'm thinking, I'm trying to have like a silent <laughs> conversation with this person. <laughs> I'm sounding really out there, so I didn't really say that. But it made me laugh and realize, man, how much, 
how often are we uncomfortable with the silence mm-hmm. and we won't do that because we don't think that just being there is enough. Mm-hmm. Well, and him being silent for you gave you the permission to be silent. I, I think so often we're looking in some way for permission to be who we are and that that comes across like vulnerability meets vulnerability, you know, and authenticity meets authenticity. So, so him giving you permission to be like, I'm showing, I'm paving the way here that this is okay. So you are invited into this with me now. And that's so neat. And that you tried to do that with someone else. Cause that's something we can all practice right in different ways is giving each other permission by being the one to say, I'm going to try this first. It might seem crazy and weird and out of our norm and out of our comfort zone, but I'm going to try it and I'm going to see I love that. And yeah, that's so neat. So I'm wondering now, um, kind of as we're closing and wrapping up, when does your book come out or has it come out? How is this? Where can we find you? Where can we read your book? What's, what's going on? Yeah. Uh, so you can find me on Instagram would be the best way at Katie finds God, K A T I E. And uh, there's a link there uh, where you can pre-order the book. Um, uh, just a bitly, uh, link to bit.ly Katie finds God. Um, and so, yeah, I'm working with my agent right now. Um, and so I'm not, we don't have a date yet, but I'm really hoping that it'll be this year. Uh, and so I'm excited. I mean, it's, it's done and good to go. Um, we're just looking at, at that route of, um, publishing companies and, all of that uh, to see when we can get a date. So that is exciting. Yeah. Yes, I will. um, And when it does come out, we will, we will make sure that we're following and get people to read because we're excited to read that too. So one of the things I always ask um, when I'm done with an interview is what things are you reading right now? What are the books that are kind of saving your life right now? Hmm. Um, Well, when I need an escape, I'll be honest, I've gotten into the Jack Reacher series uh, by Lee Child, so totally fiction. Okay. <laughs> um, but gosh, I just get sucked into those. Um, I, let's see, you know what? I just finished, I didn't read this uh, when it came out. I know it's a really old series. Um, I just finally read The Da Vinci Code and the three books with that. And let me tell you, I mean, I know it's very controversial, um, but it did give me a, an interesting thought process of like, huh, God, where are you in the midst of this? Um, you know, the, the things that come up that are controversial, um, that's usually my question, God, where are you in the midst of this rather than, Oh, I'm not going anywhere near it. Um, so that's been interesting. And I love, um, I think you say his name, Paulo Coelho. Okay. Um, Alchemist? Sure. Yes. Okay. So I read The Alchemist. Um, I just posted something about that. Um, I would highly recommend that book uh, for anyone, especially if you feel like you're on a journey right now, um, a soul journey. That is one of my favorite books. And then I just got his book, The Valkyries. Um, I haven't read it, so that's not coming with a recommendation uh, because it's just sitting there. Uh, But I've enjoyed the books that I've read from him because they are so much about that spiritual path um, Mm -hmm. that you take. And again, what I talked about earlier was that emotional journey for me has been so critical and important. And I feel like he really gets at the heart of that. Um, he wrote another one called By the River Piedra, I sit down and I sat down and wept. Uh, and that book was really beautiful also. Um, so I would say those. And then I love music. And I just want to say if anybody's looking for an awesome band, Luke and the Lovingtons uh, was on mm-hmm. our trip with us. And they're incredible. Um, and they do a goodness tour um, really around the world of just bringing hope and love and light to areas that um, are really struggling. Like they, they did a um, project in the Syrian refugee camp and it, their story is just so beautiful and their music is awesome. So I've been connecting 
to my soul and to God through them as well. Um, but definitely look them up too. Awesome. We will. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here with us for all the conversation and the wisdom that you gave us. We really appreciate your time this morning. Yeah, thank you so much, Jenny, and to everyone else who's listening to. Um, I love talking about this. So uh, if there's questions or uh, things you want to explore more, please you know, message me on Instagram and I'd love to keep talking about it. Do it too, you guys. Do it. Reach out. These are the conversations that need to be had. So it's, it's important to do. Thank you so much again, Katie. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you want quotes from each episode or want to find and reach out to the awesome people interviewed, please find us on Instagram under at Tales of Moxie and follow us for all the details and for info on who will be on the show in the weeks to come. As always, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to email me at talesofmoxie@gmail.com. at gmail.com. I love hearing from you guys. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.